This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Manly Man Cave Command Center here in the Melon Law Studio. At a number you may reach me at if you wish, 352-325-3938 or on Facebook chat. And let me get over there and see if we can get that going. Um, and so I can see you. Uh, yeah, hello, Brenda. And uh, I think I, Brenda saw my cattle this morning. I got up and they were already eating breakfast in the fog. So I thought everybody would like to see that. And um, there you are. Uh, got a lot of things to cram into today's show, today's class, if you will, students. And uh, to talk about, uh, we call the show today the invisible cost. Um, there's a lot of things that are uh, costing us a lot of uh, money, energy, and uh, effort and everything else going on in society that you really don't see unless somebody like yours truly, and probably some of y'all too, go to the trouble to dig it out and research it and find out what's really going on and beneath the surface of the water. And locally, of course, we have a, um, a kind of uh, much to do about nothing going on here. And that's this Dion McGraw, who's really a pain in the butt. Um, trying to find some liar who will um, find a way to say that DeSantis as the governor uh, can't exercise his constitutional rights. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes the blacks get away with this. They play the race card and they whine and they say, oh, my golly, you're picking on me. Uh, you kicked me out um, uh, of my seat. And it really wasn't my fault that I uh, voted in the wrong, came from the wrong district, just that one or another. And um, I think at one point she tried to blame it on the supervisor elections, who's also black, who's also a Democrat that we've talked about quite a bit on the show. But this Dion McGraw is a real piece of work. Um, so, you know, she's really there, and everybody knows it, to form a voting block on the school board to cram the critical race theory down everybody's throat in one form or another. That's basically what it's about. And, and uh, if, if I'm wrong about this, well, please correct me. But um, I don't, uh, haven't heard anybody really object even the black folks don't object. They have allowed these people like McGraw and uh, some of the others to uh, misrepresent them, I think. I think there's so many good people who just are misrepresented by their leaders in the black culture. McGraw, of which is one, I know her, and uh, you know she um, was gonna come on the show and ducked out and use COVID as an excuse. And I talked to her one time on the phone, my golly, my ears were burning as she talked about herself and what she was going to do on the school board, uh, this, that, one, and another. But the thing that's got them <laughs> all, all, all of people ruffled is that DeSantis knows what he's doing. I mean, he, and he's not afraid to do it. Now, 
the Washington Times is, is the national papers are covering Florida very, very closely. And they're covering uh, DeSantis, of course. Uh, I think he's the most influential governor in the country. And the state is on more solid ground than any other state in the country. But he announced on Wednesday that he was going to propose legislation. And we've got a Republican legislature, so it should make it. Uh, that would ban critical race theory in K through 12 schools. Um, this was already the intent that was expressed by the State Department of Education earlier this year. So this is being covered in the in the uh, in the uh, uh, Washington Times by James Varney. So as I say, uh, Santos is you know he's got a tiger by the tail here, and he's not afraid to hang on. So um, he is. Um, uh, uh, even reaching out into an area that bothers a lot of people, uh, the legislation is being crafted so that it would extend to the workplace and it would provide a legal recourse to those who feel various corporate training policies or seminars have led, ironically, to discrimination, discrimination against those who don't believe that they're discriminators and don't uh, appreciate being called something for which they're not responsible. And, uh, that's the crux of the matter. And that's where DeSantis is getting his base from. The people don't like to be wrongly accused of something just because you're white. You know, I don't go around wrong accusing people just because they're people of color of something just because they're people of color. It's their behavior and their attitudes and their chips on their shoulder that sooner or later uh, make you uh, wary of them. It's not anything to do with color, for crying out loud. That's the most superficial uh, thing in the world to use as a criterion. I mean, it's really childish, in my humble opinion. So, and I'm never wrong. So this is going to extend into corporate training policies and seminars. The corporations are all cowards because they're afraid of the woke culture. The business world is afraid of these people because um, the left, which ironically can tax them and tax them and tax them and is doing so, they enable, the business people enable them by being frightened by them. And so this is the governor protecting the corporations from themselves, not by ordering the corporations to do anything, but by giving the individual citizens the right to uh, sue the corporations for making, for the corporations making them go through some training they don't deserve. And that's the crux of the matter with the letter, which has, last time I checked, 325 people looked at it on Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. That is a, an oppressive comment coming from the University of Florida, just about one department uh, from which a brave soul leaked me the letter, uh, an email. Uh, it's a public record, so it's okay, no problem. Um, and they unabashedly, the left unabashedly made it a public email by chastising the workers in their department uh, who have nothing to do with um, the accusations um, that, they, that they've been leveled at them. So uh, this, this, this has reached a high, uh, the high, the Tallahassee to the governor's office. And we like to think on the Ward Scott Files that we've been uh, helpful in doing that. I mean, we've been amplifying that simply because it needs to be thought about and dealt with. So. This legislation, I would think, would make it through the Florida legislature sometime in the early spring. And uh, it would give you, uh, a, you know, a recourse if the corporation tried to take you into some training seminar to cover its own butt. Um, 
It would also give the parents a private right of action to be able to enforce a prohibition on critical race theory. Now, this is what Dion McGraw and the other two uh, black persons of color on the Alachua County School Board are up to. Uh, that's what their that's what their plan was. They've gone out already and used as a, 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 the sucker, the the uh, superintendent woman. Uh, they've gone out and created a couple of posts that of exorbitant salary for a director of in diversity and inclusion and equity. I don't know what that's got to do with anything in the classroom, but they're paying these people yet one more administrator. Uh, you know, faculty used to hate administrators uh, because of the administrative pay and the administrative uh, kind of distance they had administrators on the real nitty gritty work in the classroom. And yet those administrators were always telling those in the classroom what to do and how to do it and how high to jump and all that business. And it's still going on. It's worse. So this is government intervention on behalf of the little guy. And, um, you know, it's just it's just saying, listen, you're just not going to come out and put critical race theory and all of its curriculum in the school and force it down the throats. Now, if you want to talk about uh, America's history and all that, we've already got that in the curriculum. And I can tell you right now that those discussions are never fair and balanced. Uh, I'm one who led a course on Southern literature at uh, Santa Fe College. I was the only one who really could have ever taught it. There was nobody else there who knew a damn thing about it. And, and uh, it was difficult. And none of them encouraged anybody to come to this course. Uh, it wasn't a fancy title. It wasn't something that, you know, you know, I don't like the, even the word Southern in front of the noun literature, just literature, literature. You know, you don't need to put an adjective in front of it. Literature is literature. So, but, you know, classification systems do this. Uh, they have middle age and they have uh, the 20th century and they have all these, they, they do that to put everybody in silos. And it's very destructive, but that's the way education is organized. And it's organized on the industrial model. Once the Yankees won the, the war against Yankee aggression, why then the Yankee model for education came into a style, and that model is based upon the assembly line of the industrial products. Um, everyone knows that who has any sense, and I'm not telling you anything new. So uh, uh, on top of that, if a parent were to uh, sue uh, uh, and, you know, against this CRT business and their, their, their attorneys, their liars fees would be covered uh, too. Now the supporters of, uh, um, this critical race theory, uh, and, and they're all over Gainesville, by the way, and all over the university system. And, and um, you know, all these people have been indoctrinated a long time ago. I was thinking about this indoctrination per, uh, process. How in the world are these little kids who are now dangerously involved uh, in their 30s, a couple of them here in town are prominent examples of it. I won't mention their name and the Democrat Party, and they always are mouthy, and they always think they know everything. And, they, you know, they, they haven't been around very long. And they all have bought into, for example, uh, Chicken Little and the Sky is Falling and there's climate change. Well, they, they, didn't, they didn't observe that on their own. I'll assure you they have not observed that on their own. 
They're not close to nature. These uh, uh, students who've now grown into young loudmouths in the political world, uh, uh, they did not learn this dogma on their own through observation in the natural world because they don't live in the natural world. They learned it from teachers and textbooks in school. That's just one thing. That's just one hoax that's been perpetrated on the American public by the American school system is the hoax huge hoax. It will probably be uh, really severely examined a year, a hundred years or so from now. Uh, it'll be our version of, uh, of foolishness, uh, just as as this CRT tries to make out this slavery is our sin. Uh, the hundred years from now, the students who study America's decline will see that this climate hoax was the sin. This hubris that man thought he could actually, actually influence nature. Have you ever heard of such? Have you ever heard of such? That's called hubris. That's not the same as pride. Hubris is making, assuming the behavior of an immortal, a deity, that's hubris, as a mortal. So you suffer from hubris if you attempt to mess with things that are the property of the supernatural, those being those who divine and live in uh, the universe that guide our daily affairs, if they so guide them. Maybe they don't guide them. Maybe it's all chance and luck. Big Greeks really had that factored in a lot. So what it came down to uh, in, in terms of DeSantis' point of view uh, is that uh, uh, we're going to, we're not going to teach our students an exclusion of all other discussions that America is lousy. Um, that's what is basically at the bottom. That's what McGraw and the other two people of color, a uh, certain uh, is one of them. And the other lady, I don't remember her. I just, you know, I uh, block them out, but uh, uh on top of that, the American Federation of Teachers and National Education Association supports the uh, ones who support the critical race theory. So we've got a gauntlet thrown down here, and Asantis is not afraid to take them on. And thank goodness we've got that. Can you imagine? He only won the, the governorship by one third of one percent. One third of one percent. Um, so the opponents of the critical race theory. Uh, believe the theory itself is racist and it teaches students to mistrust one another based on skin color, gender, and sexual orientation. Uh, so you have twin universes here that are operating side by side and uh, you can't, uh, uh, never the twain shall meet because they both think they see reality. Um, uh, so DeSantis is leveling the, the playing field, if you will. Um, they probably won't use the words critical race theory according to uh, this reportage and the Washington Examiner. They probably won't use the words critical race theory in their proposed bill. Uh, but they will say things like uh, they'll outlaw teaching elements of race essentialism, um, that um, race is essential to everything that you understand. Poppycock. It really is demeaning to the folks of color 
Um, I mean, you know, it, it just makes you wonder why they would sit back and let those people talk for them. Um, the, you know, we've got them all over the place here in this town. Um, they, 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 they just beat that drum and they, they, um, they, they just, um, that's their source of power. And they're not real bright. I know them, you know, I know them uh, quite well. They're not real bright. I don't know of a powerful intellect in the black culture that would be involved with uh, this petty discussion. And by the way, uh, if, if there is a powerful intellect in the black culture, you don't even know that person's from the black culture because you're not even aware of the person's color of skin. You're engaged with that person's mind. And uh, there are woefully few of those. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, the thing that set King apart, he was a he was a very bright man and he was a very good writer. And that really, really set him way apart. The letter from Birmingham jail is a masterpiece. And uh, we teach it in the college. We don't even teach it. At, I never taught it uh, as any any way, shape or form as um, some sort of uh, uh, advocacy for uh, some political point of view. Um, you teach it because of the really, really sound logic of the argument and uh, what you can learn from the way in which the thoughts are organized. And it's, uh, it's a masterpiece, Letter from Birmingham Jail. And I remember the days. I mean, I was there in Alabama when all this was going down. So I knew how calm King sat in the middle of this emotional storm and, and, and wrote so clearly and accepted his situation so clearly. And that became the power of his voice. Uh, we don't have any voice like that in the black community now. We have whiners and complainers and belly achers and blamers and, uh, you know, all that business. A true leader I'm waiting to see emerge. And I just haven't. And I may be missing something. I hope you can help me with that. I'm just I'm looking desperately for one. Um, so that's where we are with a critical race theory in Florida. Now, if you think it's pretty bad, all you have to do is go to D.C. And, uh, you know, we have people embedded on the street in D.C. I'm not going to get into who they are. Um, sometime uh, in the past, you can go look up past shows. You can see we had one or two on the show. Uh, this was back during the whole buildup to January 6th. We were getting intel about that here on the Ward Scott Files uh, way back in, in November and December of uh, uh, before January 6th ever rolled around. You know, they, they egged all that on in D.C. They made a big plaza up there, called it BLM Plaza. Um, they let the Black uh, Lives Matter people raise holy hell, tear up property, all this other stuff, and be held blameless. And yet they went looking for the Proud Boys. I asked our guys who were embedded in the streets up there what the Proud Boys were like. And they said, it is good old guys. Go drink a beer with them. That's what they're basically interested in. They weren't really out there pounding the drums over some uh, social dogma, uh, but they were there to protect the whole interests of their country. But obviously, nobody else was much helping. Um, so the Proud Boys are now being blamed for everything uh, that went down in D.C. And uh, we, uh, we'll, uh, uh, you see behind me on the screen here, uh, we've kept up uh, 
the image of D.C. actually locked down out of fear that the whole insurrection would come back. Um, <clears throat> so we've kept that up on the screen for a while as a reminder. But Steve Dino writes for The Washington Times, and he's written about what it is like right now in D.C., District of Columbia, uh, in terms of uh, uh, sanctuary areas. You've heard of sanctuary cities. Um, you know, this D.C. is the epitome of what you may have. Gainesville likes to call itself a sanctuary city. Uh, but what's happened in D.C. is uh, we have an immigration and customs Customs Enforcement dude who is the head of it now, Alexandro Mayorkas, who is a Cuban appointed by Obama to uh, these political offices. You have to remember that most of these guys who do the damage, you didn't vote for, you didn't have an opportunity to vote for, and now they're the ones, you know, making the decisions. And Obama first got this guy and took advantage of him and put him in the political world of the staff. The staff is really dangerous part of DC. Uh, they stick around and they become uh, uh, retirees. <coughs> I have a friend who's part of this old staff. He lives high on the hog right now. Uh, he's a dyed in the wool, a thoughtless Democrat, doesn't ever investigate anything the Democrats do. Uh, why should he? He's he, he's been his bread has been buttered by them as they've run D.C. with uh, with or the mentality of the Democrats run D.C. with the exception of Trump, which they just can't figure out how in the world did the guy get to be the president? And we've got the city so wired. So what we have now in D.C. Uh, is uh, good luck on trying to arrest an illegal immigrant in the District of Columbia. I mean, this is what Steve Dinan is writing about. Uh, good luck on trying to arrest an illegal immigrant in the District of Columbia. Um, there's almost no place in uh, the city that is not affected by the Homeland Security Secretary, this Alexandro Mayorkas, who's got rules that he's laid down that discourage immigration enforcement near sensitive locations and practically everything in DC is now classified and defined as a sensitive location. Um, the food banks, the homeless shelters, the child advocacy group, community-based organizations, school bus stops, daycare centers, any place where children might congregate, anything near those places, no, that's, you can't go and force illegal immigrants there. If you've got a bum hanging out around these areas, who really, you don't know anything about his past, he's in here, you don't even know if he's had his, he's been jabbed, um, then, then you've got an issue. I mean, here's a guy who's, it was impunity, according to this character, Mayorkas, whom Obama first breathed a breath of life into, and now is a Homeland Security Secretary, uh, who has ordered that thou shalt not bother these bums at these places which are 
designated areas uh, that are off limits to law enforcement, but are sanctuaries for the illegals. I, I, I don't know. It's, a, it's upside down world, really, isn't it? The logic behind this is that the illegal immigrants uh, deserve access unfettered uh, to the things here in this country, just as the legal people do. And I don't know how the, how to justify this other than to say, you know, we've already got it set up in New York where you don't have to be a citizen to vote. That's where we're trying to go. Biden and the Democrats are using immigration as a way of building the base so that they'll stay in power with their, what they think is human nature, a reward for turning their uh, back on anything they illegal immigrants do illegal. So the result of this, uh, you know, uh, uh, is a city uh, full of sanctuaries. Um, you know, so rather than have limits on where the illegals can go, uh, the individual agents of Homeland Security have been told, oh, you have too much discretion and power in your own hands. Uh, you haven't been doing the right thing. Uh, so we're going to compel you to do the right thing by disallowing you as an agent of the agency over which I am the secretary to exercise your uh, your 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 uh, um, powers in that area. So, um, uh, so I haven't been to D.C. lately. I don't know if I could stand to go to D.C. Um, and it's just beyond my level of tolerance. I don't. I, I can hardly stand to go to Gainesville, but. Um, these rules apply not only to illegal immigrants who have, by the way, been arrested, but also to other enforcement actions such as surveilling them. So that's that's code for profiling. So if you're an ICE agent, you're not to put these people under surveillance. Uh, uh, most of the city is protected. They're protected. They're like the cattle in India. I mean, you can't touch them. So um, you can't do any uh, profiling. Um, so the law enforcement believes that uh, these rules have been interpreted and written in such a way to intentionally foil law enforcement. Now, we know that the Democrats have launched this huge campaign against law enforcement. Everything from eliminating police departments entirely to taking away their guns, um, just the things, some of the things that come to mind. Um, so the bottom line for this is, according to this Mayorkas character who Obama uh, was joined at the hip with, who now runs the Homeland Security, the bottom line is that uh, being in this country illegally is no longer a sufficient reason. Get this now. No longer a sufficient reason for arrest or deportation. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at the end of the line here. I've been around on this globe for a while. But, you know, I just see all sorts of ill winds blowing 
that um, you, you probably, um, maybe if you're older and can look back and see the trends of the country, you'll agree, uh, are not pretending well. Uh, but I mean, I just, I, I look for silver linings, but, you know, also uh, because I do research and you're my research assistants, um, I, I try to get to the story behind the story and the story behind the story, I get to the basic premise and the basic premise is nearly as I can determine from uh, examining this issue in DC is that uh, being here illegally is legal. Uh, it's legal. I uh, so vote and do whatever you need to do. Now you've got to make up your mind whether that's tolerable or you, you know, you vote. I, I hope you do. In the worst case scenarios, uh, Diamond points out in his article, uh, in the worst case scenario, this even means a sexual predator uh, could become immune from enforcement near a playground. So if the sexual predator, get the logic here, or write a little syllogism, if you're an illegal immigrant, and you're a sexual predator, uh, and you're near a, per a playground, because you're an illegal immigrant, your sexual predator classification is nullified. Do you understand the logic of that? That's the way it works. That's the way it works. If you're a sexual predator and you're a legal citizen, and you're so labeled and categorized as a sexual predator, you will not be allowed near the playground. You'll be accosted for being near the playground. But if you're illegal and you're a sexual predator, it's okay for you to be near the playground. I, I When I do this research and I come upon these I'm learning that I say I got to bring this to the class, you, the words God files hour, and present it to you all because you're really in a position that you'll be taking care of me. You guys are, you know, you're really the ones running the culture. So uh, these are called sensitive locations, by the way. Uh, they've had this sensitive location policy on the books, according to the research done by the Washington Times, I've had it on the books since Obama. Now, people ask me, where did the country go wrong? And I think it went wrong with Johnson and the 1964 Civil Rights Act, because it ushered in all these entitlements, which then became embedded in stone. But it even got worse. And, you know, fast forward and pretend you are a student 100 years from now and you're, you're studying why America declined into dust. You'd have to finger Obama. Obama is the first president that I can remember who actually didn't like America. He didn't like capitalism. He didn't like white people. He was supposed to be the unifier, the great unifier. 
Well, he didn't become the great unifier. He became the great divider. And it's continuing. So these are called sensitive locations. An officer or an agent needs a compelling reason and get this prior approval to arrest an immigrant in one of these sensitive locations, in one of these protected areas. And the logic when the actual cops wanted clarification as to why they were being, their hands were being tied. Mayorkas told them, this guy from Cuba, he must have been a Castro Cuban, said that ICE now needed to start considering broader societal interests. Broader societal interests. I don't know what the hell they are. We'll take a break, y'all. Uh, lean back in your chairs, adjust your hat. We'll thank the sponsors, run the pig. Give me a break or something to recover from the news. It's just amazing. Be right back on the Ward Scott Files. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, RR Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352 284 3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. Check this out, Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Achtung, Achtung! The papers are not in order. Step out of the line and report to the inspection station. We are going to search your belongings. Much schnell! All right, welcome back to the Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly Warthog Man Cave Command Center inside the Miller Law Studio with a 352-325-3938 private line if you want to talk to me secretly or out here on the Facebook chat, uh, taking a look at some of the comments you have. Just finished talking with you about the amazing uh, DC, District of Columbia. Uh, it's quite a liberal bastion, and um, it is controlled as a black mayor. Uh, now it has a Cuban, uh, Cube from Cuba, uh, as Kennedy used to say, uh, Cuba, um, being the head of the Homeland Security, appointed by Obama, the great divider. 
who now says that uh, illegal immigrants are essentially not illegal in D.C. Um, sort of like cattle in India, I guess. Um, meanwhile, we've got a very convenient political tool for the left that has resurfaced. And I don't think I need to uh, go much further to uh, let you figure out what it is. It is COVID, another version of it. COVID really is the reason Biden's in office because COVID gave uh, accountability to voting, uh, made it impossible. And the Democrats knew that. It caught the Republicans off guard. Uh, Zuckerberg, private money participated in public elections. You know, when you just think about that and think, think about the fact that Kim Barton took that private money, okay, when she knows damn good and well that elections are supposed to be run by government neutral money. Huh? That alone if you're looking for sins, that alone is a sin. You mean to tell me that you're the supervisor of elections and you know that the best elections, if there is such a thing, would be hands off from the private manipulating and meddling money anted up by the government and categorized and distributed for just that purpose. And along comes, imagine if locally, some wealthy Democrat, and there are wealthy Democrats, came along and gave Kim Barton a fistful of dollars to influence the election. Uh, you and cry. But Zuckerberg comes along under the Civic Center deal and gives her 700000 under the guise that, well, COVID's making it possible, uh, difficult for people to vote because they have to stay home. So let's proliferate uh, absentee ballots. Here's a hunk of money to mail them out. And by the way, you don't have to be accountable for who sends them back. She admits that in her own Q&A file. And we have a copy of it. So what a, what a, what a godsend. Here is just this one district. Here's $700,000. Take it and spend it the way you want. She spends a ton of it on mailing out absentee ballots and doesn't know who filled them out, has no accountability for them, and is all done under the cover of COVID. So now along comes Omicron or Omicron or I, I, Omicron. And boy, the New York Times wastes no time whatsoever pouncing on this and making it Trump's fault. All right. Now, you have to understand that all the world's problems started with Trump. OK. Even the reason they go back to 1619 and this critical race theory as I think is to show in many, many ways anyway, that Trump is a product of those nasty people who brought people of color here in the first place. And by extension, all people who look like him, which is all whites. All roads 
lead to Trump. So this is called David Leonhardt published this last night. And the title to the first category of the publication report in the New York Times is Red Alert. And he is advocating this uh, David Leonhardt that a conservative figure should go on the air and explain that the Omicron variant has placed much of their audience in grave danger. So now get this, this is where this guy is going with this. All the unvaccinated are, you guessed it, conservatives, Republicans. All the vaccinated are, you guessed it, liberals and Democrats. Well, just anecdotally, I have a friend who is a liberal who came to me and talked about, wow, I was at this party the other night and he usually hangs out with nothing but liberals. He's a good guy, though. And he said they weren't vaccinated and they were Democrats. Came as a great, great surprise to him. He's a Democrat and he is vaccinated. Now, this is the New York Times. David Lynn, Leon Hart, has decided, and this is his opinion. I'm looking for documentation, but it's scarce. His opinion is that the reason Omicron is spreading quickly throughout the country is that the conservatives because they don't like government mandates, don't get vaccinated. And so the conservatives, this is the language out of the article, mock panicky liberals for wearing masks outdoors. Conservatives don't do that. So conservatives need to take a COVID-19 vaccine and Trump is the one who should come out and say this, or Laura Ingram, or Mark Levin. These are the conservative giants in this man's mind. So, I don't know if there's anything that these Democrats cannot blame Trump for. And by extension, all those who are genetically, if you will, related to Trump through skin color. Now, he has a chart in here. And he says that one telling details that COVID deaths in both swing counties and heavily Biden counties have not risen over the past two months. Now, Omicron has not been here for two months. So that's one little thing. If I were grading his paper, I would say, hold on, dude. Have you noticed that you have contradicted your own logic? <clears throat> you said Omicron is spreading the country and it's because the Republicans are not vaccinated. But you go back and draw data from two months ago. Omicron wasn't around two months ago. <clears throat> so... 
I'm just skinning this thing to see if there's anything in it that makes sense at all. That's probably enough of it. Yeah, it's just very short. But that's what the dude has written. That it is Trump's fault. Trump's fault. Trump's fault. Trump's fault. Meanwhile, they're also the left is blaming uh, the uh, COVID for the so-called smash and grab. Now, the smash and grab is the latest version of America's crime wave. You with me? If somebody asks you, what's a smash and grab? No, it's not a home run record. It's not a play they run in football. Although if I were the coach, I would probably put a play in and call it the smash and grab. That'd be fun. Smash and grab, smash and grab, hup, hup. Oh man, it'd be so fun. Um, but the smash and grab has become a daily, and you go to Google to get this search term in 2021, People search to find out what this smash and grab is and what it means. And they find this rise of criminality. And what's happened is uh, it's created and what's what this article in, uh, calls uh, industrialized shoplifting. This is out of the Wall Street Journal. We now have industrialized Shoplifting, huh? And in of the cities with strict gun laws, such as New York, stabbings have become common by criminals because they can't get a gun, so they got a knife, so they stab you. So across America, the Democrat crime centers, where there's especially this industrialized shoplifting known as smash and grab, <clears throat> the principle of prevention has been displaced by intervention, whatever that means. Uh, there's no... Prevention. Intervention means, the article goes on to speculate, that as a government, if we just intervene in your, um, in your life and try to compensate for the fact that you didn't have a mother or you didn't have a father or you were raised on the wrong side of the tracks or you ate out of the Dempsey dumpsters, Rather than just criminalize you, we just intervene and um, we get our prosecutors to uh, look in the mirror and say, you know, don't you feel bad for prosecuting these people, which would prevent the behavior? Don't you just want to intervene and work with them? It's really society. It's really society's fault that these people are like they are. It's not their fault. So 
It's really comes to a head with the George Floyd deal. It's now called a George Floyd election because out of the woods came all these progressive candidates who began running for office of district attorney. And they got swept in by an urban electoral wave of black voters. Um, and all of a sudden now we have um, the, uh, uh, how shall I say it? The, the exoneration of Black Lives Matter and any protest that they conducted is uh, one which uh, you have to understand only they're only doing it because we as society failed. It's not because they're bad people. Um, and all of a sudden we have um, more sympathy for the criminal than we do the victim. And ironically, the human loss for this uh, new attitude towards crime has affected mostly the poor black neighborhoods until we got this industrialized shoplifting called smash and grab. And you can take a look at the cities where you have the smash and grab and you'll find liberal prosecutors. Um, state attorney Kim Fox won an election in Cook County with 72% of the vote in 2016, and right away pulled back prosecution. Uh, this is, you know, your, your old favorite place in Chicago, and declared uh, that shoplifters would face only misdemeanor charges, okay, unless they stole more than $1,000 worth of stuff, or are you ready for this? And the number is amazing, or had 10 felony convictions. So let me do the calculations on this. If I'm a shoplifter and I go and steal $999 worth of stuff, and I've had nine felony convictions. The worst that can happen to me is I have a misdemeanor charge. That's the worst that can happen to me. The Chicago Tribune did a report on this Kim Fox character and found out that she dismissed 30% of felony charges uh, which meant 25,000 felony charges, including for murder, shootings, and sex crimes. They were all dismissed in the three years she's been in office. Her first three years. These people are out on the street next to you, going through the shopping lines with you. They're watching you at the gas pump. You know, uh, the criminal is very good at finding vulnerable victims. You've got to be aware of your surroundings, increasingly so now. You've got to have eyes in the back of your head. You've got to be prepared. And you've got to unfortunately assume that there are more and more of them 
than ever before. And by them, I mean felony people. So just this year alone, Wall Street Journal reports that there have been a thousand murders in Cook County. Now, the Progressive Criminal Justice Project. Combine that, if you would please, with the sanctuary zones for illegal immigrants in the city. Well, the District of Columbia. Huh? I'm going to conclude by students talking about uh, an article that's just shown up by Victor Davis Hanson, who is one of the great minds in our times. He's a classicist. He's an agrarian. He's a war strategist. He is on the faculty at Stanford, and he's a conservative, which means he's just a thinker. I, this caught my eye this morning, and I thought I would conclude today's show with this. All of a sudden, you may know that Pelosi and all these people on the left, pencil neck, um, Schiff, those people are so worried about the midterms in 2022 and Hillary the liar. They're saying that, oh my God, should the Trumpers come back? It's the end of democracy. You've heard this. So they're all concerned about the end of democracy if they lose power in the 2022 midterms. And Hansen says, here's what they're not worried about. And he uses a grammatical technique that is great called parallel grammatical structure, the repetition of similar grammatical patterns for effect. You'll hear it as I read through his comments. It's called parallel grammatical structure. Here's what the Democrats are not worried about, and this is the order in which Hansen writes about them. First, the Democrats, they are not worried about two million foreign nationals crashing the border in a single year without vaccinations during a pandemic. Okay? They are not worried that foreign nationals can now vote in New York City elections. They are not worried that there are formal efforts underway to dismantle the U.S. Constitution by junking the Electoral College and throttling ballot laws in states and replacing with ballot laws in national elections. 
They're not worried that the left is trying to scrap the 180-year-old filibuster, the 150-year-old nine-person Supreme Court, and the 60-year tradition of 50 states having states' rights. They're not worried about that. They are not worried that the Senate this year put on trial an impeached ex-president and private citizen without the chief justice in attendance, without a special prosecutor or witnesses, and without a formal commission report of presidential high crimes and misdemeanors. They are not worried that the FBI, Justice Department, CIA, Hillary Clinton, and members of the Obama administration systematically sought to use U.S. government agencies to sabotage a presidential campaign. They're not worried about that. They're not worried that the Pentagon suddenly has lost the majority support of the American people. Because the top current and retired officers have flagrantly violated the chain of command, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, and without data or evidence have announced a hunt in the ranks for anyone suspected of white rage or white supremacy inside the United States military. They are not worried that in 2020, a record 64% of the electorate did not cast their ballots on election day. They are not worried that the usual rejection rate in most states of non-election day ballots plunged even as an unprecedented 101 million ballots were cast by mail or early voting. And they are certainly not worried that partisan billionaires of Silicon Valley poured well over $400 million into selected precincts in swing states to help public agencies conduct, conduct the election, one of which was this frigging county right here. Meanwhile, the nation's racked by unprecedented crime non-enforcement of its borders, liberal district attorneys, illegal immigration inflation, deliberate cuts in gas and oil production. There you are, my friends. That's the state of this nation. That's where we are. On this Friday, December 17, 2021, that's the that's the state of this nation. Have a great weekend. Board Hall Command Center out.